Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps—you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lop. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Arjit. In today's episode, we have a much sought-after guest. I must say, at least for me, I've I've uh, meaning to have him on the podcast for a while already. So he's a very famous author who's, authored, who's uh, been the author of multiple books on cricket. So welcome to the podcast, Anindya Datta. Hi. Thank you, Arjit. Uh, very kind of you. Uh, delighted to be here <laughs> this is a podcast about like amateur cricket followers but you are a professional so uh, absolutely not all right i'm i'm i'm, I'm an amateur uh, in 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 the guise of uh, a writer well that's all right so let's start there with what brought you to cricket and what led you to actually put your thoughts on paper in as much as publishing them so But if you can summarize your journey on where you started and how you started following cricket. Well, how I started following cricket is going to watch my first um, test match with my dad when I was seven years old. Uh, India versus West Indies in um, uh, Calcutta at the Eden Gardens in 1974-75 and uh, fell in love with the game. Um, fast forward several years, I guess about uh, 12, 12 years ago, Uh, one day, I saw an, uh, an article written by a friend on an Australian uh, website. And uh, I didn't particularly agree with the views expressed there. So I decided to write something on my own, just in case somebody ever printed it. I'd never published anything in my life. I wrote something, sent it across. Much to my surprise, it got published. Uh, there was a lot of... Um, Uh, peer reviews of, of the article, if you like, uh, which were quite flattering. And uh, and then uh, so I wrote a couple more. One day I got a note from the editor of the, of the website saying uh, one of their senior writers wanted to talk to me. And uh, so I got a call from Kersi Meher Humji, who uh, you know, I had respected uh, since the time I was a kid and I had been reading cricket books. Uh, okay. And uh, Kersi had read one of my articles uh, there. And um, he wrote to me after that, he said, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write to you. And he wrote to me after that to basically say that he thought there was a book in that. And uh, and then we had a conversation where I told him that, look, Kersi, uh, you, you know, uh, I've written a thousand word article. Uh, you're telling me there's a book in it. I have no idea how to go about it because I haven't even thought about writing a book, much less, um, you know, written one. And he said, look, I'm on my 15th book. And okay. uh, I can tell you that there is a book in this. 
so I sort of picked his brains a little bit in terms of how to write, and that eventually became uh, my first, uh, I guess, well-received book called Spellbinding Spells. Uh, it remains to this day the only book ever written on single bowling spells across the history of cricket. Um, it got very good reviews um, in the UK, in, in India, in Australia, everywhere. Um, and that led to me wanting to actually write the book, which I'd always wanted to write, which was on the Indian spin quartet, because I'd been, mm -hmm. I'd been a spin bowler and in love with spin since I, since I was seven years old. Uh, and then what happened was uh, I was commissioned to write that by one of India's largest uh, publishers, Westland. Uh, but the editor of Westland wanted me to write a broader book. He wanted me to write a comprehensive history of Indian spin bowling rather than just mm. on the uh, quartet, uh, which was a much bigger um, assignment than I actually realized. It uh, it took me, uh, I think, a year and a half uh, to, to work through that. Um, another few months to, to finish writing that to our mutual satisfaction. And uh, so Wizards, the, the story of Indian spin bowling came out. Mm -hmm. It won India's Cricket Book of the Year award, um, and, uh, and 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 so the journey started. Uh, and then, um, so I've written. Uh, you know, uh, I, there are a few books that I've written purely out of passion. So uh, I wrote a book on the on the Invincible Stoot of 1948, which remains mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Um, and then I was then commissioned by, uh, and then I wrote one on the 1971 India's uh, first two series wins in Australia, in the West Indies and, and England. England. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, called the greatest year, mm -hmm. which unfortunately is out of print right now. Um, and then I wrote, uh, the first history of Indian tennis called advantage India, whose second edition just came out recently. So, so, so that's that's really you know it's it's the love of the readers which has which has kept that alive. Wonderful, actually. So wonderful to hear for somebody who's a banker by day and you know who works potentially uh, different time zones. Or, I don't know how it works with you, but uh, living in Singapore and working with the banking industry, how do you find the time to actually do the research that is required to publish? Let's say spin bowling. You have to go through the annals of Indian spin history, look at all the spinners from when India started, and so on and so on. How do you get the time to do that? Well, uh, well, first of all, um, I'm not a banker anymore. So I I left banking about four years ago, and uh, I started my own uh, leadership consulting firm called Two Roads, which I run out of Singapore. Uh, ah. So that gives me a little bit more time right now to do what I want to do. Uh, although, you know, it, honestly, running your own businesses is much more um, all-consuming than than working for someone uh, mm -hmm. but while i was a banker uh, i was doing all the research um, and the writing at night in the mornings uh, on weekends and and that's how i got through it and and you're right you know that's uh, the thing with um indian spin bowling is that um, there is there is obviously you know some data out there there are some archives out there but sitting in singapore also difficult to, to access, but uh, these days with the with the internet, it's become much easier. Um, you know, with with e versions of archives available, if you if you really can um, search for it. Uh, I was also fortunate uh, to you know be uh, to have access to the to the uh, British newspaper archives, which are a, which are a fantastic source. Uh, right. And uh, and uh, I'm a collector of eclectic old and rare books. Uh, which includes cricket books. So I had a lot of uh, books which uh, uh, which helped me uh, on this journey. And finally, you know, I reached out to people. Uh, I reached out to former players um, in England, in India, uh, in Australia, and uh, they were all super, super helpful. I mean, everyone from Ian Chapel to um, uh, you know uh, writers um, uh, who. who uh, really, I maybe should have seen me as competition, but obviously I was a newbie, and so. Uh, but then I've realized that writers are a very, uh, uh, how should I put it, a, a breed who are not so selfish. They like to see <laughs> others do uh, write well as well as long, especially cricket writers. You know, as long as the um, as as the literature keeps uh, piling up. Uh, so, so I've been blessed with that, and and meeting the players in the end was was fantastic. Talking to them, you know. 
the the few hours I spent with Vishen Singh Bedi will uh, uh, fortunately, you know, just before he, he uh, had health issues, uh, okay. will will forever remain in my in my memory. Fantastic. I mean, maybe we should uh, you know continue on another podcast episode if I am able to invite you. I want to discuss <laughs> each of your books in detail because I've only been able to let's say go through one of those. the story of indian spin bowling wizards right the one that at least i know you very well from but also it was an eye opener to see actually you've been doing it for a while from 2017 and that you're well on your way because you also write for a lot of online and published magazines right so you spin cricket for hindustan times yeah uh, i write for the cricket magazine as well uh, a few articles a year uh, mm. so uh, and I, and i was writing a column for a year and a half for first post as well yes Indeed. So, currently, currently, so, I write for uh, Rev Sports in in India and, and a few other places, Sports Star. Fantastic. So, from that perspective, um, does it ever come across as a pressure for you that you know you have to keep up with all the cricket that's coming and going? If you were to want to, you know, remain relevant, but still write articles that hark back on a certain time or a certain period of cricket, it, does it ever come across to you that you have to be you have to always be up with what's going on now in the social media world especially or for someone like you looks back at a specific period are you able to then still say i follow the cricket i like currently but i can completely focus on a specific i don't know 70s 80s something like this and still get all the data you want out there and you are not pressured to continuously be updated with the amount of cricket that is I mean, flabbergastingly large these days um i mean i must confess that uh, yes i have taken my uh, path on that so i don't follow much of uh, the cricket that's played today if it's not of direct interest to me uh, so you know the t20 leagues for example which are played around the world i have zero interest in them um i i do follow the ipl um, you know because i w- like watching some of the players i like watching some of the matches um but other than that largely the t20 leagues i i really don't follow um i don't necessarily follow every test match that's being played everywhere although there aren't that many played these days i definitely don't follow all the odi but what i do like to do is in a t20 year i'd like to follow as much of the t20 leading up to it as possible because you know that that uh, a t20 world cup year uh, and in this case uh, since it's an odi world cup year i've been closely following the you know the odi is being played around the world um so so i'd like to compartmentalize that if you if you like um and you know talking about periods in history i'm actually not um absolutely i'm completely agnostic to periods in history i've written mm-hmm. about uh, the 18th century cricket i've written about 19th century cricket i've written about extensively about 20th century cricket and 21st century cricket so i don't look at cricket in terms of which period was it played i look at cricket from an angle as to what's interesting about what happened at that point in time the back stories around it why was it relevant for society at that point in time um what were some of the mental issues that um led to matches being decided the way they were um mm. so 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 i i have an eclectic view on cricket if you like so so it's definitely not period specific interesting because for me i think that's a very unique viewpoint not looking at sport for the sake of sport what happens on the field but the bigger picture itself maybe what sort of pressures they faced i mean specifically when you are talking of don bradman and what sort of life he led and so on um, in we are the invincibles and so on so yep what got you fascinated with that person the individual i mean how they lived he was a postmaster uh, isn't it in in a small town and so on so how how did that he wasn't, become he, he wasn't a postmaster actually he um, he worked as a broker he worked as a stock market broker ah. uh so um, but he's he, you have to be fascinated by don radman if you if you uh, <laughs> you know if you like cricket right i mean the, the greatest batsman who ever lived i mean this nobody is going to be able to match his sheer profligacy in terms of runs and you don't over a long period of time as he played um have that kind of a record if you are not really good at what you do i mean just as an example why don bradman is the greatest batsman who ever lived um his worst 
series, the Bodyline series, um, which England was very happy about that they managed to, you know, make Bodyline work because uh, Bradman's average fell. His average yeah. fell from 100 to 50 plus. Seriously, right, right. I mean, like, I mean, that's yeah. its perspective, right? Um, so, so how can you not be fascinated by? And he was a fascinating character. He wasn't the nicest man to know, uh, you know. I, I, but when you, it's he's a human being, right? Uh, so you have to look at his genius in terms of cricket versus how he was um, uh, sometimes outside cricket or, you know, whether he was political, how he uh, thought about things, but he was a bloody good captain. He was a fantastic strategist and and, yeah. and he was a great batsman. Uh, uh, he was not afraid to uh, do things which, uh, you know, like any Australian captain, uh, which uh, would uh, result in the team winning, uh, including, you know, um, going and uh, during the Invincible uh, series, going and uh, convincing uh, the English not to pick their best side. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you have to love a character like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a different time. But of course, I mean, if you ask Keith Miller, probably he would have given you a different view on Don Bradman, the individual and the captain. But those are the sort so, of stories that make up. That make I've up written cricket. extensively on Miller as well. I, I love Miller as a character. I think Miller as a character is a fantastic character. And I, I only remember that anecdote, right? Where uh, I think Don Bradman asked him to bounce an English batsman. And he said, I will not. That guy just survived a World War II. You know, um, he was an aeroplane pilot and he survived that. Why will yeah. I bounce him? He shouldn't die here. That'll not, that's not going to happen. So something like that. So it's it's very interesting. So those those sort of stories stay with you. The one that you yeah. recount. And so first of all, I, as a just a fan of cricket, I must say thank you. Because it's, it's fantastic to read these sort of books, these sort of anecdotes and the sort of stories you're able to put together. So I just say it now, but at the end of it, I think we can go through your books or probably we can give a link to all the books uh, that you have on Amazon. If you can share that link with me, I recommend sure. Anindya and all of his books to the listeners of this podcast. <laughs> it's been a wonderful journey for me, at least I've read probably a bunch, but all right. Um, now that's about Anindya, the author. Now we go back to Anindya, the cricket fan. Uh, I, I think you said you've been following the Asia cup pretty, pretty well. So I think we should start there. Uh, sure. Were you at, were you surprised at all Bangladesh uh, were able to, you know, beat India in that lead-up to the final? You know, uh, I I put out a, a, a tweet before the Asia Cup started, uh, sort of asking for uh, the potential semi-finalists. Okay. And hmm. my choice was Bangladesh as a potential semi-finalist right. of the World Cup. Okay. Ah. Um, I, th I think if you look at uh, the combination of the team that they have, um, uh, the bowling, the batting, um, uh, whether it's the pace, but the pace bowling, I mean, come on, you've got Alan Donald as a bowling coach, uh, pace bowling mm. coach, right? Mm. Um, how can your fast bowlers not improve? So uh, it's mm. just... Uh, uh, you know, they, they, they come through, they are coming through, I think, as uh, a team that other teams need to watch very, very carefully. Um, so I was, to, to long answer to your short question, no, I was not surprised the way they played. Well, I mean, from the rest of the tournament perspective, for me, they were not as good as they could have been. But no, if, no. if you think of it just as a prep for the coming World Cup, I think they're able to, again, line up quite a few things that they need or that they'll need to improve and they have some time to try and put it together because the World Cup itself is going to be a long slog and maybe the first two or three games you can still get into it and eventually become really good. So, they still have... They've also got Shakib. Don't forget they got Shakib as a, as a captain and he mm. is a damn good captain. I mean, mm. if you looked at the bowling changes that he made during that World Cup, you know, with, with the rain interruptions, etc., uh, they were absolutely spot on. The guy's got so much experience. Um, he's smart. Um, he knows how to use his resources. He clearly knows the value of the very young players that he was introducing into the team. Uh, mm. So, so you know, and with 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 Tamim coming back, I think I think it's a uh, it's 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 a team that you really need to watch. Indeed. So then we talk about that one where. Tamim, I expected, will come back. But for me, probably the lack of uh, consistency and lack of results from the likes of Shamim Hussain, 
and uh, Afif Hossain. Probably they are forced to bring back an old old guard, a guy from the old guard, Mahmudullah. Does that surprise you? Not not so much because you know going into a World Cup, if you want to get far in a World Cup, it's not just young players uh, who are going to mm. do it for you. It is a combination of uh, a team which brings in quite a bit of experience, and I think from that perspective, uh, Mahmudullah will be a good addition to the to the team. Right, because uh, you know it's a big big occasion for for um, uh, it's you know how he plays is another matter. If he plays well, I think he's going to be a real asset to the team. But it's worth it's worth taking that chance. Right. I mean, uh, plus he's a I, spin spin bowler. He, he gives an element of of you know that as well as a as an extra spinner. Absolutely. Now his his ability to bowl well with the with the in the middle overs. Let's just say put it like that. And also potentially you know standing up, being a leader when the team is in trouble, be it with the bat, the ball. So he might give you a more consistent thirty-five or forty-five rather than give you a forty-five of thirty-five, a flashy the other way. So they have been trying to blood youngsters in the form of Shamim Hossain, Afif Hossain, and we discussed it in one of our previous podcasts as well. The Mahdi's have done well. But you know, Lytton Das has been a little bit off. But we expect he'll discover his best. But once Tamim is back, I think their top order will look much more stronger. With Mahmudullah, yeah. the lower half will get that boost. So that's why I think they have chosen them both and given them an opportunity to try to prove themselves in this New Zealand series. Where I think, if you look at it from just from a World Cup perspective, New Zealand are just there to acclimatize. But Bangladesh still are trying to sort out a few things in their combination. They brought in a couple of new faster bowlers, right? Tanzeed Hassan and those people. Tanzeed Hassan is the opener, but um, Tanzeem Hassan. Sorry, I get confused between the two. I think that's going to be interesting. So from that perspective, Bangladesh is still sort of getting there in terms of the 15 they want. So they've also not announced the 15. So from a World Cup perspective, do you see any surprises uh, sudden surprises, sudden exclusions, inclusions from Bangladesh team perspective. No, I, th- I think they're, they're, they're getting there, as you said. So I don't, I don't think there should be any more surprise. All right. Then comes the final of the Asia Cup. Something <laughs> happened. Siraj woke up on the right side of the bed. Do you think? <laughs> um, I think it was a combination of um, Siraj putting the ball in the right places, getting the movement, uh, and. Um, Sri Lanka having a really bad day where, uh, mm. you know, nothing was going right, right? Um, you know, you equate that to India's infamous day at Adelaide. Uh, the, I think the difference is that that day, if you ask Jared Kimber, statistically speaking, probably, um, the, the bowling was much more, uh, outlandishly spot on. Uh, mm. than uh, than on this day from from Siraj and Bumrah. Uh, but but Siraj, uh, you know, he, he just put the ball in the right places. He got it to move and a and couple of balls were incredible, uh, unplayable. Yeah. Uh, yes. But the other wickets that he got, I would I would suggest uh, the Bangladeshi batsmen um, should blame themselves. Uh, I'm sorry, the Sri Lankan batsmen should blame themselves the, um, uh, the way they collapsed. Correct. I think it was the ball to Dasun Shanaka. I mean, that was... How do you play that? A leg break at 140. So, not a lot yeah. you can do. Pitching leg hitting off. No. You're like, okay, thanks. Exactly. Bye. And so, but for me... And I, I can't think, believe that they... Uh, what? They, they, aren't they... Uh, they've got rid of uh, Shanuka as captain, right? Oh, have they? Now, this is news for me. Right, no? right after, yeah, right after the tournament. Right after the tournament. Uh, I think they just announced that Shanuka is uh, not going to be the captain for the World Cup. Which uh, which is bizarre. I mean, uh, why on earth would you do that? No, but that that would be a big blow for me. I mean, I understand he's, he's still not going to play. That. But uh, yeah, oh really? I mean, after one after one match like that, yeah. No, but if he's not the captain, yeah. I don't think he commands a place in the eleven anymore. For exactly. me, exactly, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's uh, uh, okay. No, so so I just saw yesterday. Sorry, this was. Um, uh, late last night, hmm. uh, he's been uh, asked to continue as captain until the World Cup. They reversed their decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what I expect, really. Yeah. yeah. After an emergency meeting, it says. Even for Sri Lanka cricket, it's a bit much. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. That that settles that. But 
I think they just had a really bad day. They had no way out yeah. because yeah. look between them. I think Bumrah started it off. He got Kusal yeah. Parera out, the dangerous Kusal Parera. But then, yeah. I think they both have been actually very incisive. And more importantly, I think Pandey has been backing them up very well. We saw this in the Pakistan game as well. Yes. So yes. it gives you a lot of hope as you know a home cricket fan from India, if the Indian fast bowling can actually start that way, uh, even on Indian pitches, even on Asian pitches. Yeah, I think India has got one of the best bowling attacks in this World Cup. Um, You've got uh, with Siraj, Bumrah, Pandya, Kuldeep, and uh, Jadeja. Uh, bizarrely enough, we are saying this mm. to back mm. them up. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I, you have to say that uh, you know that has to be one of the best ODI uh, bowling attacks in the world today. So from there, I think India are also trying to fine tune a couple of small, small things, right? So in a yeah. three ODI series against Australia, they're they have picked one or two bolters, if that's the term we can use. At least one of them cannot run too fast, I think, Ravichandran Ashwin. But okay, by the way, uh, they have picked some people you would not expect to be in the squad, even at the last minute. So somebody like Washington Sundar and Ravichandran Ashwin, given that there is some injury to Akshar Patel. Akshar. So the question is, uh, do you think this is like a last gasp change of mind, maybe Rohit or the team management at the end, they decided they will always benefit if they have one very good off-break bowler as well in the squad. And then Aksar may miss out even if he's fit or if he gets fit a bit later. Or is it just something they're considering their squad is more or less set in their minds? Uh, as, if it was left to me, unless Mr. Modi insisted on uh, having Aksar play in Ahmedabad, <laughs> um, I wouldn't have Aksar in the, in the World Cup squad. Um, uh, honestly, uh, it's got nothing to do with Akshar's quality. Mm. Um, I think he's, you know, a really good back when he's really needed. Um, he's, he's, uh, you know, a bowler who can do the job. Unfortunately, if you look at the way he's playing currently, uh, and, and I've heard excuses about him not getting chances, whatever, you know, the, it's, it's, it's a national side. I mean, you've got 1.4 billion people is the, <laughs> is the number one uh, sport in the country, right? Uh, so, you know, you get a chance, you grab that chance, right? Uh, so, Akshar has come in, he's not been bowling well, right? The matches where he bowled, mm. I thought he was absolutely underwhelming. Um, right. Except that one match uh, where, you know, he, he, India lost and he batted uh, well. Um, other than that, uh, I, I just don't see why you would have Akshar Patel in the team when you have Ravinder Jadeja already in the team. Mm. Okay, uh, they may not be the same bowlers, but they are very similar bowlers. Uh, no matter what anybody says, you know, I, I wrote a book on spin bowling. I know a little bit about spin bowling, and I can tell you they are not that different uh, from from the way they bowl. So mm. from the beginning, we should have had an off spinner in the team instruction. The excuse they gave for bringing in Washington Sundar was that Washington Sundar was already training with the Asian Games team. Right, uh, and he was in match fitness, um, and therefore he was brought in. Hmm. If I remember correctly, Ashwin was also playing in some some domestic tournament at the same time, right? Uh, where uh, in Tamil Nadu, uh, so he could also have been brought in. But now they're there. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have as we are recording this. I think in in a, in a couple of hours we'll find out whether uh, who's playing in the ODI, whether it's Ashwin or whether it's uh, Washington Sundar. Right. Left to me, I would. Send Washington Sundar to Hangzhou to play the Asian Games. Um, I would put Ashwin in the team for sure because he gives, as a fifth bowler, as a sixth bowler, if you like, mm. the kind of variety um, that um, you know is is just precious, uh, right? Uh, because mm. what do you have? You have Kuldeep, you have um, uh, Jadeja, and then you bring in um, Ashwin in. Subcontinent pitches. Uh, Ashwin has improved his batting recently, so he's no mug with the bat. Uh, right. Send him late down the order. Uh, I don't think he's going to bat any worse than Ashadul Thakur, or he's going to bat, um, you know, any worse than an Akshar, to be very fair. Hmm. So for me, well, if you want to include Ashwin, he should not be the sixth bowler. He should be one in the top five for me. Uh, simply because he's worth it. He 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 can give you... No, he's only... Uh, Ajit, don't get me wrong. He's ah. only the sixth owner because Hardik Pandya is there. Ah, okay. Fine. Fine, fine. Yeah, so so we actually have six proper bowlers. Yeah. 
I mean, I expect Hardik will play most of the games if he's fit, simply because he'll give you that balance. I think all of these guys will play. Yeah, all of much. these guys will play. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, Shardul might be sort of a backup to Hardik, but Hardik will start, and India will go with two fast bowlers: Shami, Bumra, Siraj. Two of these. I don't think Shami makes the team. Shami will not I, make I, the I team at the start. I, I don't think. I don't think. Ah. I don't think Shami makes the team at the start. He might come in for you know one or two games. Right. Um, I would I would say Hardik will play if he's fit. He will play every game. Um, I would say Shardul would actually. It would either be Shardul or Ashwin or Akshar, depending on who's there, who takes that spot. Ah, okay, okay. Now, but does the left-handedness batting and the batting potential that Washington Sundar at this stage he, I don't know if he's any better than Ashwin, but at least he has some very relevant test innings. So. Do you think he may be more exciting that way? That's why he could have been picked on. Also, maybe his utility in the field. I think we are overestimating the utility in the field um, and underestimating Ashwin just because he's not as fast as Washington Sundar. Um, as far as the left-hand batting is concerned, you've now got um, you know potentially Shankishan in the team hmm. uh, if he's playing instead of Rahul for whatever reason, um, and. You've got uh, Jadeja, um, who's a left-hand back. Um, I, I don't know if that is the reason for which one would play Washington Sundar. Right. So then that's that one small point, where, which is now pretty much up and out there. Surya Kumar Yadav versus somebody else. He didn't cover himself in glory in Asia Cup either. Well, he got he got he got one chance. Mm. He's not been playing particularly well in ODI. Right. Uh, he's not made a secret of that fact. Um, you know, he's. Been open about his conversations with Rahul Dravid and with um, uh, with Rohit hmm. Uh, hmm. in terms of what he needs to do, and we all know what Surya Kumar Yadav's problem is, right? I mean, he is so invested in the shortest format right. that he doesn't place the value on his wicket that you need in an ODI. You need to have the patience to stay around for some time, which Ishan Kishan has learned, which is why he's doing well. Correct, right? Um, hmm. And and if Sky cannot get that into the way he plays cricket, mm. uh, he will never play anything but T20. Right. Uh, and I hope that that's not going to be the case because they're showing a lot of faith in him. Uh, uh, you know, Dravid's just confirmed. I saw a Dravid interview yesterday, yeah, I think, yeah. uh, where he's saying Sky is very much a part of the World Cup team. Uh, so, you know, they, they think about Sky actually managing to get over this and doing well and coming in as a finisher. That's what you want. He's, he'll be the most incredible, you know, like, like Klaassen or something. He'll be, he'll be one of the most incredible finishers in, in ODI cricket if he manages to last that long. Yeah, I mean, or you keep him in the squad and send him in only after the 42nd over or 38th over thinking that you go play a T20. You forget the rest of it. We no, have a utility for you. That, that is the plan. That is the plan. But the problem with Sky right now is even if you send him in the 42nd over, He'll probably be out by the forty-four. Ah, okay. It's a, it's the, it's the way he's playing. It's the way he's looking at the game. We're putting it, it's a risk reward, right? I mean, I'm, I, I used to be a banker for many years, right? Mm -hmm. Banking is all about risk reward, right? Now, in this case, the way Sky plays, it's a pure risk reward play. You risk your wicket every ball in the shortest format to get the maximum out of it. Right, and that is the mindset he needs to get out of in ODI. That's a good one. Yeah, I think you've hit it on the head there. Let's see if he's able to convert it. It's mostly, as you say, it's a mind game. In his case, it's not a skills thing. So I think he has the right yeah. people around him who can help him get to that yeah. point where he's useful enough that his inclusion at the end. It, it's for me. It's like that. You know, I think Rohit backs Surya, and at the end of the day, as a captain, you want to do that where. From the outset, from statistics, from every other perspective, it may look in a different way. But if you have, if you have a gut feeling about a player, same for Dravid, I guess. So that's why I think Rohit said he gave Ashwin a call. He may have gotten this gut feeling at the end moment where he says, "I want this guy." When we look back at the tournament, depending on how the results go, maybe we may look back and say this might be the genius move by Rohit to include Ashwin no, and Surya. And I totally, Ajit, because if you think about it, when was Akshar picked in the fifteen? Akshar uh, in the World Cup team. Mm. Akshar was picked before the Asia Cup started. Right. 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 So if we have observed how Akshar is bowling, mm. Rohit's obviously observed how Akshar is bowling. Mm. Right. So that, with the fact that Akshar got injured, might be just the opportunity that Rohit needed to 
bring uh, Ashwin into the fold, having realized that it was probably a mistake not to have him right there. And, or maybe it wasn't a mistake. If Akshar had really been bowling very well, uh, it may not have been a mistake, but he isn't bowling well. So going up to the World Cup, you need that bowler to be really performing at their absolute best. That makes sense. Now, moving on to the other series, which I think was very interesting from World Cup prep perspective. So it is the Australia South Africa series. So what brings out the best among these two teams when they play each other, especially in South Africa? I mean, if you look at the fourth ODI, something incredible happened. I mean, uh, from 194 in the 35th over, South Africa went on to make 416. I mean, last 15 overs, they have actually bludgeoned 230 odd runs or 225 odd runs. I don't know how that came about, but... We saw it happen. Henry Klaassen actually showed what he can do between him and David Miller. How much of a team killer each of them can be or combined. They can simply probably decimate a team in an entire tournament. So, Adam Zampa, unfortunately, we never thought anybody would ever concede 113. But, well, he went and equaled that. I think it's the second time somebody is conceded 113 runs. Mick Lewis in that, that, uh, whatever, immortal ODI where X 800 runs were made. I think they they actually 434 or something like that, right? Um, so 860 odd runs when they were made. Zampa will be scarred for life. Huh? Unfortunately, so I mean he's he's going to go to the World Cup. He's a strong lad. He's he's been in the international circuit for a decade close, but nonetheless you'd feel that pain. But I mean the way South Africa came back, does it bode really well for them? Do you think that they have actually found some steel? It, it could have been easily, you know, they had lost the T20 series. They, had, they were two down uh, in the ODI series. Another game lost, the series would have been lost and it could have been all downhill. But they dug deep and they came out of it. Do you think we are seeing a new side of South Africa? I, I absolutely hope so. You know, I, I had this very interesting, um, I, you know, in, in the leadership work that I do do now, one of one of the uh, my business partners who I work quite a lot with is Paddy Upton. And uh, Paddy and I were chatting a few months ago in, mm. when we were in Singapore doing a doing a program together. We we were chatting one one night over drinks, and and uh, I precisely asked him this: that what is it about South Africa? Why does South Africa choke? Right? And he had a very interesting theory. So um, he he said contrast the two teams, precisely these two teams, right? Australia and South Africa. Australia may not always be in the position where they have a winning squad, a really top squad, but they will delude themselves into believing they're the best team in the world and they can win. And they will believe their own bullshit and go out and execute <laughs> it. Okay? Uh, he said, and if you look at South Africa, they may be the best squad in the world, but they are so set in their mind that they are not good enough to win and they're going to fail that they're going to fail. Mm. He said, that's been the mindset of these two teams for a very long time. So he said, the day South Africa is able to turn that around, they'll go and do it. And as a South African, I'm sure he, he hopes that this is going to be the time. Right, right. right. I mean, I can imagine, right? So from such a strong yeah. sporting culture, they also produce some very strong on-field leaders, right? So do you think Temba yeah. Bavuma may have been the trick that may have turned the South African team's uh, fortunes around if it were to actually happen? It was a brave move. Huh? It was it was a brave move because, mm. because Temba Bavuma wasn't the obvious um, captain <laughs> to... <laughs> to run that team, right? And he went through a very bad patch, if you remember. I mean, then we were both commentating for Guerrilla Cricket a uh, few months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. He, um, buy a run. he was, he was, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it was sad to see him on the field, right? Um, but uh, you may, you may well be right. I mean, that's, uh, he, he had what it took as a captain to, to bring the best out of people. And that's what you need as a captain, right? I mean, uh, why why is Mike Braley remembered mm. for, for being a captain and not a player? <laughs> there was a player called Ian Botham in that level. But all right. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, from that perspective, he may be, you know, that, that miracle thing that might hold the South African team together, maybe take them to semifinals. But then they're always good enough to come there or get somewhere close. Yeah. And then they uh, choke. And then somebody, some genius takes them down. Usually it's a Lara or somebody like that. But this team may have the belief to out outlast or outpunch even such a genius performing on his day. So that's going to be interesting for me yeah. to see. I think on that day, the final of that World Cup, if a South African or a New Zealander lifts this trophy, a lot of the cricketing world will be happy or relieved, I think. Above and beyond their own teams. But I don't know if you look at it that way. Um, 
I'm I'm not a huge fan of New Zealand cricket, so so oh, I'm right. I'm probably the wrong person to to, to <laughs> ask. I'm probably the only Indian cricket fan who's not a fan of New Zealand. Uh, but um, that aside, I think from a from a team perspective, I don't think New Zealand's good enough to get to the semi-final. And I know this has been said before mm. in several World Cups. Mm. I'm sitting here and telling you this, and uh, you know, unfortunately uh, for you. Unlike uh, you know David Prith, I'm I don't have a newspaper which I can eat, uh, <laughs> and I'm and I'm not writing on it. Uh, uh, but um, you know I have um, I have uh, lots of paper here. I'm uh, happy to eat one piece of paper if New Zealand gets to the semi-finals of the World Cup. All right, get your ketchup ready. Who knows? All right, yeah. uh, but coming back to South Africa, that's all right. Uh, yeah. I just meant that you know from a purely from a. I think we'll be, I'll be very happy if South Africa gets to the World Cup. There I'll be go. very happy. There you go. I mean, all I'm saying is. it'll be sort of a relief for that nation but also for a lot of us i'd rather see south africa win it again instead of an australia let me put it like that australia is not the most well loved uh, cricket team no. in the world i mean there's no there's no doubt about that and their mindset is that they're actually happy with it that's fantastic they're like we don't care come the world cup exactly. we're going to go there and win and break your team's heart something like this so that that's also exactly. a fantastic mindset and takes a certain certain kind of thought process to break across that that's what south africa were able to do to take that series but then quinton de kock has decided he'll hang up his odi boots as well and he's going to be purely a t20 yeah. player a t20 by mercenary yeah. does that surprise you first of all he's he's still very young huh? in no. sporting terms yeah yeah but not not really you know that's that's the way uh from a from a commercial uh standpoint that mm. a lot of players have gone uh in the recent past uh i expect more of that to happen you know i just if you if you think about it right mm. uh odis honestly are important in a odi world cup year i mean let's be brutal about this Uh, how much time do you spend talking about ODIs in the other three years? Either we speak about Test cricket among the major teams, and um, I'm, I'm not talking about you know the the, the smaller teams, uh, or we talk about T20 all the time, right? The money comes from T20; uh, it, it subsidizes um, Test cricket in a way. ODIs, despite our love for them for the format. Uh, fall somewhere in the crack so why should we be surprised that quentin de kock mm. um, wants to concentrate on for the rest of his career uh, in a place where he'll make most of his money um, and while he while he still plays uh, test cricket so for his nation now for me he, look that's a bit of a sore point simply because i thought i'm big a purist this guy could win test matches and there's nothing bigger in the game than a person being able to win test matches that yeah. doesn't want to play tests anymore it's simply because there's another format that pays him better so this is a longer discussion but now going back to the point about uh, bavu he's not the only one right no not at all not at all see uh, there are a few people who decided to hang up their test boots after i don't know 34 when they were 34 35 that i can see as something very relevant he he stopped playing test cricket when he was 27 or 28 that that for me he was injury prone i understand he was a keeper probably it requires a certain higher level of fitness to remain relevant and do your job really well in tests right but for me just that he chose to stop playing when he was 28 rather than 34 that that meant 30 good more tests for south africa from his perspective that's all i mean he i thought had the same quality as an adam gilchrist who could change test matches in the blink of a eye or half an hour or an hour that is the one thing that i feel that's unfortunate that's all but i i respect his choice as a player but do you think bauma the skipper may bring him back into the fold i think you'll see dekok back in the test team mm. I, i mean huh. now now that if he's you know i'm just i'm just saying that from from the perspective that it's very difficult today you know to be a, uh, to be a virat kohli at the level that he is or 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 a similar player where you're still playing all three formats right uh so maybe the fact that he's now hanging up his odi uh, boots uh is reason and he's still 30 as you said so is reason for him to go back and play test cricket for a few more years maybe you can hope one can hope right no absolutely so i'm only hoping no the powers that be 
are actually listening to what you just said and he gets to play test matches again he changes his own mind all right uh, from that point we move again a little bit further so england so new zealand england played a long limited overs series to sort of set their pieces in place at least for england they made at least one i would like to think as something interesting in terms of a change at the last minute roy who sort of did a little bit of what he could this year he scored some hundreds crucial hundreds away but he was left out in favor of harry brook is that a nijak reaction is that a something england have done with future in mind or is it only for this world cup where they because you you can feel that potentially roy's career is over after this i would have taken jason roy in the team um i think we also had this discussion in the in the gorilla cricket group uh where mm. uh, you know i was i was surprised that roy would be dropped for harry brook i understand you know how good harry brook is um i understand he's the he's the future for uh for england uh, perhaps in all formats uh but i also note that the guy has got an average in the 20s um as far as you know odia is concerned uh you are using him to replace somebody who's in the mid 40s and probably his experience in india in the odi format would have been invaluable for england i don't know how far england is going to go in this competition i suspect they are not going to go as far as they did in 2019 although there's an extremely good team um look they are a good team would you see them as potential semi finalists or you say no that's too much too much no no i mean of course of course, of course they would be a potential i mean come on uh, of course they're the potential semi finalists i mean uh, for me australia south africa india england hmm are probably the most likely um semi finalists um and then you've got a few more who could be there um you could have bangladesh as i said um you could have new zealand um i i mean i'd have to eat a piece of paper but uh, but uh, <laughs> it, okay. it could well be <laughs> yeah uh, won't be won't be the you know the worst thing in the world um uh, and and you know pretty much it's a semi final the fourth semi final slot is quite quite difficult to uh, predict uh, but i would definitely say that that england are you know semi final material fair so, enough you left out one team which i expect to almost always feature in these discussions pakistan but again as i said you you acknowledge that it's tough to pick the the, the, the reason why i left out pakistan is is very i i actually would have had pakistan in there um i think with the fact that they don't have nasim for the world cup mm-hmm. um and they in all likelihood are not going to have uh, shahin safridi for the first half of the world cup wow okay. um which uh, really makes their bowling weak and and rough is not bowling at, at the best that i've seen him bowling about shahin shah yes this this one did you read this somewhere or has it come yes, to your yes. notice they they announced that he is not going to be playing for the first three matches oh dear they announced yesterday that he is not going to be playing for the first at best this but then it's a huge blow i understand yeah that sort of puts a major dent in their um you know in their chances only because i know you have you can start slow there's enough matches but you don't want to lose too many matches too easily yeah now coming back to england i think david malan may have sort of done enough he made himself undroppable he scored okay. um, too many runs in that series you basically can't look at a team without him at this immediate future that's what he ensured yeah. maybe that's the thing that hurt roy but again the other thing their uh, their reliance or their retention of root even though he couldn't get a game against ireland yesterday um root i think is sort of a shoe in in that squad simply because of what he can do as a banker do you see he he deserves his place in the england squad in the world cup i think he's done enough to deserve a place in the odi format uh you know the 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 skills that he has uh in the longest format are precious in the role that they need him to play mm. in odis um and he has the ability to score the team uh, when it's needed he's he's shown us that enough time he's shown shown his strokes enough time i mean uh he's he doesn't go into a shell when when he doesn't need to right 
so so and and the stability and the experience of root i think will be will be quite crucial for it i mean they have picked both brook and root simply because they are good test match players and that they are able they are going to be able to transform that into the what is required in the nodi i'm i'm just thinking if there is a little bit of a failure from the top order it will be too much it might put too much pressure on the likes of stokes and butler who may end up getting injured as the tournament goes on if the likes of brook and root cannot deliver but well it's again a by the by ajit yes but ajit I, I, i think the thing is that why that just might work for england is because of the whole baseball approach that they have absolutely embraced um so the baseball approach in test cricket means that and and, and i'm not sure people people realize how drastic it has been um i mean on on average for the past 150 years and i mean i digress a little bit but there is a point to this mm-hmm. that over over the last you know 140 odd years of test cricket uh the average uh test score uh, for a team um uh, has been about uh, the average has been about 3 consistently england scores about 4 four and a half actually okay so you know mm. the fact that they've been playing like this for the at least the past 2 years means that even players like brook or players like root are in that mold already so going into the odi going faster scoring faster is not a challenge for these guys anymore in a mindset um, you know from a mindset standpoint two years ago it might have been for 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 joe root today it's not so I, i think people forget that 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 transition is much easier for them to make today from a strike rate standpoint all right so from them to the other team which you've acknowledged is not one of your favorites team saudi has injured his uh, thumb he looks yeah. doubtful and uh, well well probably doubtful for a couple of matches right i mean should okay. be fine after that now because yeah. i still think you know he had his skills might be on the wane in the shortest format or shorter formats but i think he still has enough experience and leadership to show as far as of course new zealand are concerned and that's why i think kane is also very important so yes well, let's see how that goes and so before we forget south africa also got a blow yesterday that norkia and magala have been ruled out so because for me are they ruled out for the entire world cup or? yes no they are ruled out for the entire world cup so they have they have already replacements that have been named in their uh, in in their stead so andele pelukwayo and lizard williams will go in the 15 man squad in the place of andrik norkia and sisanda magala So Nortia has a suspected stress fracture of the back while Magala is nursing a left knee injury apparently so that's a bit of a pity because for me again I would have loved seeing Nortia and Rabada bowl together and somebody like Marco Jansen or Gerald Kutse backing them up in that South African 11 yeah. but do you and think Jansen's it... been uh, fantastic right yeah yeah I mean he's the one that won that fifth ODI right by himself all by himself against Australia but for me do you think this might really affect South Africa's chances going into the World Cup. Uh, tough, tough to say. Um, I mean, I, I would, you know, Andrik uh, Nokia. <laughs> I'd want him in my team any time, right? Uh, but um, it's it's tough to say. They their replacement just might do the trick. Hmm. But for me, it's more whether they choke as a batting unit or not. Right, right, right. Is is what's going to make the difference for them? Okay. Let's see. You are probably right. Their bowling has always been up to mark, up to scratch. But yeah. In terms of uh, some other cricket news, on-field cricket news. So we have been discussing women's cricket over the last couple of uh, episodes in terms of a series. So Sri Lanka were able to actually do something special in the T20s, but unfortunately in the ODIs, the Sri Lankan women's team were beaten three nil by England. They had already lost the series two nil, but in the last game, it was a it was a shortened game because of rain, but Natsiver Brunt came out and hit uh, 120 of just 74 balls really put the game to bed even before the second innings you could think it just 31 overs right so England made 273 yeah. and that that's that's nearly 9 and over to start off and it very easily becomes 10 and you know in these sort of ODIs 
you know they are in trouble and sri lanka i think it was also the last game of a long tour and they had lost the series the dead rubber syndrome kicked in and they lost so they lost the series 3-0 but they'll still take something very very important away they won a series in Eng- england and it'll give them a lot of um, confidence going in the f- future going forward in the future in similarly the other odi series where um pakistan were playing south africa at home there um it was going to be a very tough uh, thing for pakistan because they had lost the odi series to nil but in the dead rubber they were able to take the series so pakistan will think of it as a more or less a success- successful set of games simply because they won the t20 series 3 nil but the odi series it was 2-1 for south africa south africa are on sort of a rebuild they have a little to look forward to so they won't consider this to be too bad a result as far as i am concerned but at least with many of their key players missing they did they accounted well enough for themselves and uh, they had they will want to do well whenever they tour asia again in the future these were all some of the on field news but if we go off field which is non world cup related at least so we heard that uh, stuart mcgill is in the news for all the wrong reasons on in india <laughs> uh he he has been over for various wrong reasons over the past uh, couple of years mm. so uh, yeah this time it's drug related mm. um the last time it was uh, he was kidnapped yeah so, i mean they are related i think they both stories that kidnapping yeah, thing sure. whole thing apparently was some sort of a setup because simply because he owed some drug dealers a lot of money so it was not them extorting money from him but sort of asking back the money they were owed so on so it 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 is it's a just, it's a saddening you know the kind of yeah. bowler that he was i mean if if warn had not been there mcgill would have been you know mm. one of the greatest uh, leg spinners australia ever had he was so talented he was so good um and and you look at him now you look at the picture and and you're like wow i mean what's what's the man come to that's the point i mean the fall you know uh, the fall of somebody like him it's it's a very sad thing because there are a few cricketers we know have fallen so far from where they were um it 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 i think there was an english player lewis if i'm not wrong he was caught drug dealing and was sentenced to prison it, it it's a very sad thing but looks like this may have been going on for a while and finally he may have been caught because they have yeah. been um they have they're strict on him they've given him a strict conditional bail because it's a drug charge and he's had to surrender his passport so that it doesn't leave the country so it seems very serious we wish him all the best and we really hope he comes out on the other side a much uh, a much improved person in terms of where he's got to and maybe gets a couple of you know coaching gigs or some talking gigs and he stays out of trouble that way completely i mean uh, you can only wish him well um, let let he comes out of this the other thing Nasir Hussain a former Bangladesh uh, in fact all format player and he's only 31 now that means when he did this he was only potentially 28 or 29 because in 2021's Abu Dhabi T10 uh, tournament he's been charged for not declaring gifts that was more than 750 dollars of value he's one among many players who have been charged so he indeed you were telling me off air he plays for a franchise called pune devils all eight people that were charged were from this franchise including And, uh, the two two corners uh, exactly. so so mm-hmm. i suspect uh, the the gifts were more than 750 but probably substantially more than 750 yeah but that's what it becomes in the end is it just a gift or is it something else is the question so the acc so, uh, has learned... i mean it's the it's the middle east right what do you, what do you think uh, with with the whole <laughs> um you know the 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 betting and the and the match fixing it's always been the home of that right well, so you have a tournament in there uh, it's not very unusual to find this in that tournament we know it happened right through the 80s and 90s we are told and yeah look will they ever clean up their act there or is it just going to be always like that that when some cricket happens in the middle east especially if it's not the highest tier people look at it with uh, you know narrow slanted eyes and talk murmur uh, that you know we know what's going on it's here. unfortunate right because if you if you know the potentially when the t10 uh, format first came about uh, i was one of the very few people who were actually in favor of the format mm. um 
just because I saw the value in having uh, a match which, you know, potentially finished in three hours, right? Or, or, or less, uh, well, uh, 90 minutes, sorry, uh, which, which finished in 90 minutes, uh, which for me could be one way of popularizing cricket as much as football uh, from a uh, viewer standpoint, right? Mm. Uh, in in countries where it was not necessarily they were not necessarily tuned to watching a match for three and a half hours, which the T Twenty is like. Right. But the fact that it started in Abu Dhabi and and has stayed there and has not picked up anywhere else, um, I guess is uh, is is a surefire way of telling that uh, most people have not found that format to be. Uh, to their liking and the fact mm. that it remains there, which means it's become very localized, um, in which case, you know, this kind of thing is much easier to, to do there, right? Uh, right. with the, with the local bookies, et cetera. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that this is an exception and the rest of the tournament doesn't, um, suffer from it. Uh, thankfully, the other teams have not, uh, come under the same, uh, scrutiny and the same, uh, uh charges. Uh, mm. so, you know, hopefully they clean up their act. Absolutely. So also from cricket's perspective, it's never nice to hear about these things going on. We know it's it's there, there's a murky underbelly, but we don't want to really uh, encourage those things. And you want to think... No, because it makes fans suspect. Yeah, exactly. It makes fans suspect legitimate games when, you know, they, it, it really gets me mad, right? I mean, Asia Cup final, um, <laughs> 50 all out Sri Lanka. I mean, I had people who should have known better um, you know, friends, old friends, uh, basically asking, do you, do you think it was fixed? And I was like, seriously, I mean, a team can have a bad day, right? You remember Adelaide, India in Adelaide? So you think that match was fixed? And so it, it's just, the problem is that you can't even blame fans because, you know, with this whole from the Hans Kornier to the, to the whole episode, now with all of this going on, the Pakistani players who got, uh, you know, banned in England, uh, so it's just been going on and on and on, right? Uh, and and you are absolutely right that that muddies waters in legitimate forms of cricket where clean matches are being played. No, you're right. It it makes a fan very suspicious. I mean, especially when IPL is going on, there is a lot more things flying around. If you are a fan who's sitting on the side and just looking at it, there are many people who are so suspicious of how close the matches are always are. But it could just be the quality of players and the I know the personnel involved. So but that's what you're right when you say, you know, it throws up unnecessary suspicions on cleaner formats and cleaner games. Yeah. So that that's always a bad thing. And at the end, it's it's all about the fans, we may think, but it's also about the purity of what we are trying to deliver and keeping it clean. And at the end, sport should stand for just war without guns and many people being able to excise or exorcise certain things that they want to rather than anything else. But let's see how that comes about. So we've reached the end of uh, all the topics we had in mind for this episode on India. Thank you very much for a very, very informative chat. And uh, as I recommended to our uh, listeners earlier on, I will include a link to your Amazon uh, page with all your books. So we do hope more of our listeners are able to pick and read your books. It's been very nice talking to you. Would you like to give out any other outlets that you are available on if any of our listeners want to reach out to you or where you where they can follow you? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Uh, and my handle is at Crick underscore writer. That's C R I C underscore W R I T E R. Uh, I'd love to connect with people on Twitter. I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Um, very happy to you know meet up with people there. I, I do a lot of work where I link sports and leadership. So anybody who has interest in that, I I actually write a whole uh, series there uh, on on sports and leadership. Uh, so so anyone who wants to do that. Uh, my company is called Two Roads, so I have a page uh, on which uh, that writing is there um, on on LinkedIn. We are happy to communicate with anyone who's there. I'm on Instagram with the same handle, uh, Crick underscore Writer. So happy to happy to meet up there as well. And uh, thank thank you so much, Ajit, for for inviting me and uh, really you know enjoyed the conversation. 
fantastic topic uh, you know great questions and and as always even whether we are on commentating on gorilla cricket or here um <laughs> it's a, it's a pleasure it's a pleasure having a conversation with you thank you thank you very much the pleasure was also all mine and i hope to have you sometime again time and other things permitting look forward to it and uh, we wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from thank you and bye bye this is the armchair cricket podcast <laughs>